Okay, it's time to clean out this fucking closet. There's just so much shit in here. There's fucking Chainsaw Man, Crash Box. Hey, this is some Batman. Oh, we got some U.S. history in here. This is, ah, this was a good book. This was not a good book. Let's see. Narda, what the fuck is Got Star Trek in here, Kingdom. Ah, oh, so much Kingdom Hearts in here. Oh, this this Sonic the Hedgehog is really cute though. Let's see, ah, what a good album. Let's see, ah, what 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 is this? Is this a door in my closet? Hold up, let me. Why is it cold? What is going on with my closet? Is that? Hold on. Is that? That looks like Louis? Jakey? What are they doing in the magical door in my closet? Are they recording a podcast? I'm just gonna lay here. And listen to it. I don't want to disturb whatever magical bullshit they got going on. Do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written. Don't quote the old magic to me. God. That's a good line that was not in the books. Was it really not? Oh, okay, we, we'll have to get into that <laughs> in, a, in a minute. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to the Hyperfixation where our friends come on to tell us about their hyperfixations for 30 to 45 minutes of time that does not matter and is not real. I am hosting today. I am Jake, them and him pronouns. And today I am joined by my other host, Lewis. Hello, I am the Lewis. I use the he, they pronouns and I, uh, I, I'm here. Hopefully we get one of our other hosts to join later. Roma gave a soft maybe of just swooping in here, but we'll see. <laughs> just, just crashing through the closet or the wardrobe. Yeah. And yeah. even if they say nothing and they try to be a fly on the wall, I will. I will call them out on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> this is not a, a, a live listening experience. You, this is a party and you join. It's a party and we're going to we're going to we're going to. When you see your friends on the street and you're like, hey, it's you, or you get excited, uh, it's that. Exactly. All right. Well, so, Lewis, uh, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about the magical, mystical, very, very overwhelmingly religious, the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the series. These books, I, uh, I, I, I used to read them 
when I was younger. I read them all a long time ago. I watched like all the old BBC movies. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, it's been so long for me. They are they are a, a cult classic. I don't remember the exact release timeline for these, but it was the early 1900s. Let me pull up some facts upon these so I'm not missaying shit. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And while you're doing that, um, I do want to just like start this episode by uh, before we start talk before Lewis starts telling me all about the Chronicles of Narnia. I do want to just put it out there that C.S. Lewis stated multiple, multiple times. And I'm only stating this because it is hilarious that there is no correspondence between characters and events in the books and Christian doctrine. There is none whatsoever. There is no allegory. Yeah, uh, I would also <laughs> like to state from that of later on it has been very very obvious that because i will be talking about this that there is complete parallels with christianity but c.s lewis has gone on record of it was never his intention it was just it kind of worked its way into the story organically and i will say that that is bullshit because there's nothing organic about it (laughs) he is either a liar or in complete denial. <laughs> no. Ooh, I did there's so many things I wanted to draw allegories for. For spe- specifically Asland just straight up being Jesus, but I'll get there. But there's a lot of other correlations with uh characters and biblical figures. So um how did how did you like first get into to Narnia? Uh my first interaction with Narnia is probably similar to most people's of uh, well, most people around my age at least of being a kid uh in the early 2000s and another fantasy shit's coming out, you know, this is the time of like your Harry Potter, I think like the third one was coming out at this time or the second one. The second Harry Potter's coming out. We got Percy Jackson stuff either coming out, but there's just a lot of fantasy stuff where uh Hollywood's like, holy shit, we can make money off of kids book series. Let's do that. Uh, So my first interaction was from actually the movie, and I just kept falling into different holes of trying to find facts on it online. Uh, Internet was really bad at that time, but never actually <laughs> reading the books because I was a lazy kid and I'm a lazy adult still. I first got into these um, like a little bit before all the movies and everything started coming out, they started like bringing these, these back um, because the church, despite Lewis's uh, CS Lewis is uh, <laughs> our arguments. The church loves these books. And um, <clears throat> so I had them hoisted on me from a very young age. <laughs> Here, young Jake, read these. They're good for you. And uh, read them I did. Isn't there like seven books total? There are seven books, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I've only read the last the last ones a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, the very last one, I only read it once. I was like, yeah, that's I'm fine with that. Now, but, this is this is part of my my discussion point of how we're going to go over this. 
Mm -hmm. But when you say the last ones, do you mean the last ones chronologically or last ones release order wise? I guess chronologically, because the book set that I had growing up numbered them chronologically. So I had no idea that they were not released in that order. No, the first one release wise was the Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that now, but like as a kid, I was like, no, this is this is how they go. <laughs> uh, but the first book in the series is technically the second to last one to be released. <laughs> yep. And uh, that one, that one I do actually like. I like that quite a bit. Uh, which the, is the, the are you talking about the magician's nephew? Yeah. Magician's Nephew was pretty lit. I enjoyed that book probably more than all the others besides Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I mean, yeah, that one's the classic. Yeah, and it's got all the fantasy stuff that you can look past. It, it's, it's the same issue with almost any other fantasy stuff of the first uh, instance of a series or game or what have you in the fantasy world normally feels the best because they're just trying to get the information out there and trying to make it feel complete and everything after tries to fill holes but leaves you with much more questions to ask right uh, at least that's the way i interpret a lot of media of second movies or games or seasons or what have you typically aren't as good because they're trying to recapture the magic of the first one or expand stuff just too rapidly or too slowly. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. No, I get that. Absolutely. I feel like for, for you know, for the most part overall, I think that Narnia had decent pacing. Um, but you know, it not, Ooh. not the, yeah, yeah, I agree there, that there it, was the horse and his boy. Horse and his boy is a poo book, but overall, <laughs> the pacing of all the books are pretty good. Yeah. S besides the fact that, uh, story wise, there's just a lot that's left to it. C.S. Lewis breaks a cardinal rule of storytelling in most of these books, which is to show, don't tell. And a lot of stuff that happens in these books happen off screen and they're like, and then that happened and it was resolved. He yada yadas a lot. I. I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for my big example for this. It's in the Lion, Witch and Wardrobe uh, until we get actually into me being able to hyperfixate. But ooh, <laughs> there's one big one that he he's just like, and then that happens. And then. Oof. I th I think I know what you're talking about. Um and I'm very excited to get to that. But uh yeah, let's go ahead and start this uh imaginary timer that I don't actually have with me, but that's all right. Yeah, why not? And I'm going to click this fake ass button of getting started. <laughs> Badoop. Okay. Uh I thought about it while I was simultaneously asking you of where we're going to start chronologically or release order wise. And I'm just going to go by chronologically because that's just what's going to make the most sense. Because regardless of how it was released, it does flow together a lot better chronologically. It really does. 
because it would not make sense for me to say, all right, we're going to go to book two, then book four, book five, six, then <laughs> book three, book one, then book seven. That is yeah. the release order. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's wild. All right. Uh, I'm not going to have a lot to say on a lot of things, probably when I first go over it. So this is just going to be an overall. I have been introduced to Narnia since I was like 10 years old uh, when this movie came out. And I have been interested in the book series, but finally got around to it now. And my hyperfixation came out now. Like every other book series made into media, I am disappointed in the media retroactively after reading the books because they always just drop the ball so damn hard. <sighs> that's that's my opening thing. Uh besides that, this is not an attack on religion whatsoever. So any of my complaints is about the book, not any religious not any religious issues. So nothing against Christianity or anything. I'm just talking about this story, no one's beliefs. With that being said, I'm going to get into the Magician's Nephew. That book is fantastic. <clears throat> so, all in all, even though it was the second to last book to be uh, released, it is actually the <laughs> creationism, the story for Narnia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the premise of this is a kid goes to go live with his aunt and uncle. Um, because his parents have died, him and his uh, friend in the neighborhood go to sneak into the uncle's office. They find him. Uncle tricks the little girl into putting on a magic ring and she goes to another dimension. It's already off to a weird start. Pacing's very good, but I just want to get through everything before I really hone in on some stuff that really irked me. Um, after jumping through some dimensions, they end up in a real dead world with his statues of people. But in the back of all these statues of people is this really humongous woman who's gorgeous. And our, our little protagonist, who's like 10 years old, much like almost every other protagonist in these books, uh, you're not going to get any older than 16 years old for our protagonists in these books. You're as low as eight, as old as 16. That's that's our age range. And they, they kind of have a lore reason for that later, I think. Uh, a little bit. I think it's loose lore. They don't specifically say it, but they're working on like Neverland type logic. Pretty much. Of like the older <clears throat> you get, the less you believe sort of yeah. shit. Um, I don't know. Kids imagination. Regardless, they see this woman and little boy for some reason who's encapsulated by her beauty. Uh, rings a bell that is pretty obvious that says, hey, don't touch this fucking bell and wake her up and then wakes her up. And the little girl yells at him. And then the the pretty woman uh, stops being a statue and comes to life and is like, yeah, I'm evil and definitely not the white witch from later in the, the book series. Um, and they're like, oh, shit, well, we better leave back to our own dimension. So they tried to leave, but she grabbed onto them and they pulled her back to Earth. And she starts 
just stealing shit because she's a queen in her reality. So she's like, well, these horses are mine. These fancy clothes are mine. Everything belongs to me because I'm a ruler and you're all shit peasants. <laughs> yeah. And like she backs it up too. like the police try to stop her and she just starts beating them. <laughs> she the, the cops are like, all right, all right, come on, get off that horse now. And let's just, you know, calm down a little bit. And she rips a piece of a lamppost off and beats the cop over the head with him. And he drops to the ground. It, they don't make it clear either if she killed him with that blow or if he just gets knocked out. But like, he's dead. He, he's definitely dead. I took that as dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. So little boy who's like, well, I'm the one who fucked up and I brought her to my reality, so I got to get her out. So he grabs onto her to drag her back out of that dimension. But her dimension won't let them back in, so they just kind of jump into a random one where it's just pure blackness everywhere. And then there's a bright light. of That's kind of four legged and shaggy looking. And then it roars very loud. It's like a lion's roar. And it's with its roar and its beautiful radiance of light coming off of it. Uh, it creates land around them. Grass starts popping out of the ground and trees come out of the ground. And rivers start to flow and split around them. And mountains start to push out of the ground. And after all that starts to happen... Then animals start falling out of the, the ground, like falling out of the trees and climbing out of the ground. And it's creationism. They, they went to a new reality, a different dimension where a, a lion made almost completely out of pure light roared and continued to roar until a whole reality was made around him. That's the best kind of magic is just shadow mancy. I can't tell you <laughs> how much I just face palmed when I first got to that part and was like, all right, got it. So Aslan is God. Aslan. Uh, haven't got to him yet. If you haven't heard the book series or see or read the books or saw the movie or heard the audio. Aslan is a talking lion who's like the leader of Narnia. But in this book, it establishes that Aslan straight up created Narnia, the land. But there's no allegory. There's no allegory. Um, <laughs> a weird thing about this is the witch is so bewildered. They call her a queen in this book, but it's the white witch. The, yeah. The, the white witch is so bewildered by what's going on she kind of just drops the piece of the lamppost and it like falls into the ground but because the world is still getting created around them it just sprouts into a full-fledged lamp which also is in the book series of they walk in and there's just a lamp there that 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 lamp wasn't put there by anyone it was grown by a piece of a lamp from earth I forgot about that. Later in this book series, they plant some taffy and then it grows into a taffy tree. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, and they're like, uh, 
won't won't this bad witch be able to do bad things because the the your the the magic power growth shit and aslan's like nah see that's only happening because the strength of my roar was still reverberating around here so she won't be able to use that but i'm getting ahead of myself after this happens <laughs> and the witch is like oh weird lion dude i'm out Little boy goes up to lion and to this lion and is like, hey, lion man, I see that you just gave intelligence to all these, not all these animals, but a bunch of pairs of animals you just created. Aslan also just took a pairs of animals and bopped their head against his head and they're able to talk. Uh-huh. Uh, so since the little boy sees this, uh, they shoe in some plot armor of like, oh. I got to go to Aslan because he has this magic ability to give animals the ability to talk. Maybe they can heal my critically clinically ill mother before she dies. So now he has a purpose to talk to this lion. So he goes up to the lion and the lion's like, hey, man, thanks for uh, introducing evil to my universe on the day of its creation. By bringing that witch here. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And Aslan's like, no, nah, it's cool, dude. Um, But like, you should fix it. It's your fault. So like, even though I just created this planet, I need you personally to go on a journey to go get a piece of fruit from a tree way, way over there and bring it back over here to bring to have protection from the witch so she can't influence this land because if not she's gonna fuck up anything everything and it's gonna be all your fault and he's like okay and then aslan's (laughs) like good job you agreed to my task without asking any questions so i'll give you this pegasus and now you can go fly over there because you didn't ask any questions that's concerning. It it really that's, is. That's concerning. a concerning lesson for kids. It's a lesson that you you will keep seeing of Aslan being like, "Good job, not asking me questions, child. I will reward you." Ugh. Never question, only do. <sighs> it's fine. It's terrible. <laughs> I want to get get through this one because there's some other books I want to glaze over. But <laughs> um, so after getting to the area where this tree is to go get the fruit, uh, it's behind a locked gate and the Pegasus that brought him there and the little girl who went to Narnia with him are like, we'll wait outside. You get the fruit because it's your task, essentially. <laughs> I'm good out here. So he goes to the fucking fruit and he goes in and he looks up at this tree and there's these beautiful golden apples. <coughs> Definitely not the apple from the Garden of Eden or anything. No, of course there there's no allegory. There's no allegory, I <laughs> promise you. So he's looking up at this this these apples And he's like, ooh, these look delicious. And even though Aslan said to never eat any of these, 
How is he going to know if I eat one or not? Cough, cough. God literally said, don't eat the apple. <laughs> um, so he's like, all right, fine. I won't eat it. <sighs> so he goes to grab an apple and puts it in his pocket. And he's like, all right, this is the fruit that I said I'd get Aslan. And then he looks back up at the tree and he's like, well, what if I just ate one of these other ones? And then that would be fine. And then right when he had that thought, he had a feeling of being watched. So he turned around and he sees someone eating the apple. And oh, what's that? It's the witch behind him. The witch ate a giant woman. A giant woman. She's described as like seven and a half feet tall. Uh, Hell yeah. And as she eats the apple and the, the water's like running down her face, all the color drains from her face. And she's not she's not like pale. She's literally white as snow. She becomes completely white. And he's like, whoa, that's fucked up. That's crazy. So he runs past her to get get on the horse and he tries to fly away. And before they fly away, she's like, hey, man, why don't you just eat that apple in your pocket? This is definitely not an allegory for the snake. There's no allegory. There's no this was an accident. But I promise you, if you eat that apple, all your dreams will come true and every knowledge that you don't have will happen. Um, and <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't. I can't do that. And she's like, oh, but what if you gave it to your mom? Maybe this apple can heal your mom and make her not be dying anymore. And he's like, well, my mom is dying. Oh, wait a minute. You snake ass bitch. What, what, what's your game? Why do you care if my mom's going to die? Get the hell out of here. And she she essentially does swipe her the fox. Oh, man. And runs north because this kid said, <laughs> what's your game? Get out of here. <laughs> That's perfect. That's how they got rid of the witch. <laughs> the magician's nephew is a kid, a kid roasted her. And she's like. Man, fuck this, I'm out. She, he said, you're sus. And she's like, no! <laughs> no, you're sus, I was doing tasks, I'm out of here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sus, you're sus! Uh, fuck. <laughs> Alright. This book's almost over. So, <laughs> he goes back to Aslan with this apple, and he's like, <sighs> I'm real tired from telling a witch that she's sus and falls asleep on the Pegasus' back and then wakes up and Aslan's like, hey, good job, you did it. He wakes up in the meadow back where he started and he's like, good job, you did, you did the thing and now let's plant that tree. So they plant the tree and then they turn around to talk. I don't remember what the fuck they're talking about, but they turn around to talk and then they turn back around and the tree is fully grown and it's another one of those apples. And Aslan's like, huzzah, the tree's here and now it will protect Narnia. Good job, guy. Um, and now you can give this apple uh, that grew from this tree to your mom. If you would have ate that original apple that I told you not to fucking eat, uh, bad things would have happened. But now... You're getting this apple from me, so good things will happen because you listened without questioning anything. Here's your reward. 
Aslan. God damn it. And yeah, he gives the apple to his mom. Um, and he's like, oh, man, I, I really loved that place. I hope to go back there soon. Uh, my mom ate this apple, but I'm going to just plant these seeds and hope that I get some of these bitchin' ass apples again in the future. Uh, it does grow a tree, but not the the magic apple tree. It just grows into a tree. Um, but the he tre- also buries it with the rings, which is important. Yes. So the rings that let them travel to different dimensions. Uh, it's also not in, it's important, but not important. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> supposed fair. to be important, but then they then C.S. Lewis decided, never mind. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I thought that's what gave the uh, um, the wardrobe its its magic. See, uh, the the how that's that makes sense. What I uh, interpreted as is because the the tree would blow with a wind on its leaves, even if it was not a windy day at all, as if it was coming from Narnia itself. So the tree in Narnia was attached to the tree on Earth. Oh, okay. Um. But one particularly heavy storm day, the tree was knocked over, and but the the kid who's now a professor said, "I don't want to lose out on my my Narnia tree. It seems like a waste to just burn it." So he he had it made into a wardrobe. <coughs> um, and that's the end of that story. Uh, so we're gonna go on to the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe um i'm putting emphasis on that guys <laughs> all right so lion witch and wardrobe most of you people will know this uh these four children they get sent to a professor's house maybe that exact professor i just talked about hmm uh because there's the fucking air raids happening in london and their mom doesn't want them to die to death (laughs) yeah uh so they get sent off to the professor the dad's fighting in the war the mom i believe is a nurse or is doing something for the war so she can't come with them so they just get sent off to the professor's house so they can be safe whoop-de-scoop poop-de-whoop that that's that's kind of the setup for the line which in a wardrobe yeah um and one thing that like i never really pieced together until like looking at this book a lot later the professor is just like an old man to them they don't know him he doesn't know them they're not related he's just like yeah i got a house out in the country i'll take your kids yeah I don't know what the relation is, how how they even got a hold of him. I don't get it. I just do not get it. How they got a hold of this dude. They're not even tangentially related. No, yeah, it's it's very much just yada yada. Uh, C.S. Lewis, do better. <laughs> you know, it's 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 due to the magic of Aslan, of course. Yada yada that that is a hundred percent true. That that's it's stated later on. Um in a very loose thing of I think in like book four or five, 
of Aslan just straight up saying, uh, you this things happen because I I will it to. So they're like, oh, we were trying to get in to Narnia and we just kind of happened in here. Not even these kids, different kids. And he's like, you came here not because you called for it, but because I called for it. So <laughs> essentially anyone who gets brought into Narnia for the most part has been a part of God's plan. No allegory. No allegory. No uh, illusions. <laughs> it's just it, it's coincidence. It's coincidence where Asland is is God. Also, he refers to boys uh, as sons of Adam and girls as of da- daughters of Eve. Uh, no allegory. That's not an allegory. That's just because he himself is very Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I forgot to mention in The Magician's Nephew that a random the the horse that they they got was actually pulled in because uh he was holding on to the horse that the white witch stole from him and he's like, "Hey man, I'm just trying to calm my horse down." So this random dude gets pulled into Narnia and when he sees Aslan, Aslan's like, "Hey, what what would you like to be king?" And he's like, I don't know nothing. I just like farming and I'm just good to the people. Uh, and he's like, yes, I know. I've seen. And it's like, does Aslan knows this whole dude's life because he's omnipotent. And. <sighs> what? Mm-hmm. The way that it describes it is this this farmer dude looks at Aslan and like. He's like, I never met you, but I have a feeling that I do. And it's also heavily implied that the farmer is very, very religious. So he's like, I don't know you, but I feel like I do. God. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all allegory. It's just a coincidence. (laughs) It's just just weird. He's just religious and it just falls to other people. (sighs) All right. So they get to Professor's house. These kids go there. Our age range for uh, our kids is 13, 12, 10, and 8. That is Peter, Sue, Edmund, and Lucy. In that order. Do you need to remember these names? No. I'm just going to give them nicknames. You don't really need to remember them because it doesn't matter. None of them really matter. I'm just going to refer to it as the oldest, the youngest, the betrayer. And I'm not even going to refer to Sue because she does not matter. Unfortunately. Susan does not matter. I think even C.S. Lewis knew. You'll find out why I say that at the end. Mm hmm. So. These three, four kids, man, I can count. These four kids are in this professor's house and they decide, hey, let's play some fucking hide and seek. And Lucy goes and hides into the wardrobe and she's backing into the wardrobe behind all the uh, coats and shit. And then, oh, what's this on my back? It's it's cold. It's snow. 
she's in a forest that's covered in snow out of nowhere. And then what's that? Huh? It's a fawn. Uh, I thought they were called satyrs. Uh, I guess they're I the same thing. Yeah. Interchangeable. I I knew the reason, like, I think it's just etymology kind of thing. But yeah, they're the same, the same deal. Mm, a half goat, half man person. Um, comes along and he's like, oh, you surprised me. And she's like, oh, you surprised me. And we have very cute interaction with this. Um, I'm not, by the way, people, I'm not talking about this movie, the, the movies at all. I will just complain about them if I talk about it at all. Uh, so, so don't, don't come at me if it's like, well, in the movie, it's different. It's like they take, they take artistic liberties. I can't help that Mr. <laughs> Thomas is a lot more evil in the movies for some reason compared to in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so they they see this this deer. They're talking. They're playing. Uh, he reveals that his name is Tumnus. So she calls him Mister Tumnus, and he's like, "Oh, hey, um, would you like some tea?" Because he's having a great time with her. Um, and he's she's like, "Oh, I really got to get back. I'm I've I can't be be here." And he's like, "Oh, it's just around the corner. Oh, you look cold. I just want to warm you up." She's like, "All right, all right. I'll. It's not every day I get to meet a fawn." So they go back to his house, they drink some tea, he plays some music, he tells her the information of why it's bad in Narnia right now, because it's always winter and not any Christmases. There hasn't been a Christmas in a hundred years, because the White Witch. <laughs> uh, White Witch, how is she in charge of Narnia? Yada yada. Um, yada yada. But now she's in charge of Narnia and Aslan's not there, I guess. Who cares? But he says that that's what's going on and she's a terrible person. And now Mr. Tumnus is like, but I'm a terrible person. So he starts crying and Lucy's trying to comfort him. And he's like, I'm bad. My dad would be uh, disappointed in me. And she's like, no, you're doing great. You're a great guy. You know, guy you just met two hours ago um she's like no no i've done bad things and she's like no you haven't done bad things and he's like yes i have i've lied and she's like that's fine and he's like i've kidnapped and she's like what who <laughs> hey, yo, what? and he's like you right now <laughs> and she's like that's okay you're you could just let me go and he's like i know i can so i'm going to because the white witch is a bitch and she told me to tell her if any people come in, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, then I gotta kidnap them. But you guys don't suck. So I'm gonna let you go. So she's like, oh great, you're letting me go. Goodbye. And he's like, goodbye. And he takes her back to where she was found and she went back, goes back to the wardrobe. He's kind of just stupid in the books where like, he's kind of ignorant of what the world is around him. Whereas yeah. in the movie, he is portrayed as pretty sinister. Like, yeah, constantly he's looking over his shoulder and they got intense music. I just watched them earlier today, so it's fresh oh, in my yeah, mind. Nice. Yeah, no, in the books, he's definitely like incompetent at, at best. Like. Like he's he just. He, he's an incompetent coward. Mm. Yeah, in the movies, he's just like. 
almost like rubbing his hands together evil. Yeah. And it, they make it seem like he was guarding that specific area to kidnap any humans that would come through. But in the book, it's more of like he kind of just lives there and it's a standing order to all Narnians of, hey, if you see any, turn them in or else. Yeah. Um, but that's all I'm really going to talk about, Mr. Tumnus. He's more of a red herring or a plot device than a character. Uh, but Lucy goes back to Earth. And she's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I've been gone for so long, everyone. And they're like, Lucy, you're supposed to hide during hide and seek. What are you doing? You just left. And she's like, oh, what crazy magic stuff. You guys want to go to Narnia? And they're just like, oh, Lucy. um, No, <laughs> there's nothing. What are you talking about? So that she brings <laughs> them to the wardrobe and they're like, look, see, Luce, nothing there. So she gets upset because no one's believing her. Um, and the older siblings, the 13 year old and the 12 year old are like, look, she's just going through a hard time. They're, they're very parentified in the books. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to draw the line to the movie again. They treat Lucy like utter shit in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Same with Edmund, where he's kind of just like the misunderstood kid. In the movies, they just made him an asshole and a piece of shit, and all the other kids bully him. <laughs> Whatever. She tries to say things. No one believes her, but they still try to check it out. Uh, but later in the night, she's like, man, I gotta see if Narnia is real. So she goes back to the wardrobe and walks in, and she's back in Narnia. Um... Uh, but Edmund hears some creaking and sees someone skulking around in the night. She's like, I'm going to follow her. Edmund, again, the betrayer. Um, he follows her to the thing and he goes to spook her, but she's not in the, the closet. And he's like, oh, that's weird. And closes the closet behind him. They make it seem like it's going to be a big thing. C.S. Lewis, why'd you write it like that? <laughs> right. It's written in a way of like, you know, if you go into a closet, one leaves a door open. But Edmund didn't, and he was very silly for it. It's like, what the fuck are you saying, C.S. Lewis? Also, I was listening to this on Audible, so if I sound a very specific way, it's because that's how my brain took that information. So Edmund goes in, and he's like, whoa, that's crazy. I guess Lucy was right, and I was, I was wrong, and I just made fun of her. Lucy, where are you? I, I believe you now. And then what's that? It's a sleigh. Oofta doofta. Who's on this sleigh with, with, these, with these deer? And a dwarf is there. And he's like, hey, man, what you doing? And the white witch is like, hey, man, what you doing? And he's like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful and gorgeous. What, what are you? You, you, a per, you a man person? And he's like, yep, that's me. I'm a man person. And she's like, ooh, man person. Hello, man person, 10 year old child. Um, why don't you come over here? What are you what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking for my sister. And he's like, oh, there's more people here. And she's like, he's like, yeah, there's four of us in total. And she gets that drop the mic. Oh, fuck moment, because there's a, a prophecy that four sons and daughters of Adam and Eve will come to Narnia and the reign of the queen will end. 
So she's like, what? what? I got to get some information out of this boy. So she pours a drop of potion on the snow and gets him something to drink and he loves it. And then she's like, all right, what about some information? And he's like, I can't give information. And she's like, do you want any treats? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'd love some Turkish delights. She's like, all right, spritzes more of that shit on the ground. Turkish delights grow out of the ground. And he starts eating it. And she's like, all right, but what about your siblings? And he's like, oh, yeah, my siblings. And starts just spilling all the beans. He's the betrayer. But is he? Because if you if beautiful listeners, if you just watch the movies, it would seem like Edmund's just a spiteful boy who wanted to sell out his family because he don't like them. And he just wanted some candy. Listeners, this is not the case. It is revealed in the book in this exact same chapter that after she is she sends him off to go get his brothers and his brother and sisters to come to her, that those candies were enchanted to one, make him spill the beans that it was essentially a truth potion and two. Those Turkish delights were created in a magic way to the point where once you taste them, you will literally keep eating them until you died if you could. She got him addicted to drugs. She this Satan got this kid addicted to heroin. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, have you ever had Turkish delight? I have not, but it sounds amazing. Prepare to be disappointed. It's because it's not. But it looks like sugar on sugar. I would not sell out my family for Turkish delight. Is all I'm saying. It is. <laughs> all right. Well, now I'm big sad. Um, I, I I was too. Well, now listeners, don't sell your family out for Turkish delights, even if they are enchanted. Apparently, they're not that great. They're poopy doodle. <laughs> uh, but that was like my biggest thing that I got from the book. Uh, from the the first thing I encountered from this book. Where I was like, why didn't they add that into the movie? Right. Like, like, yes, Edmund does have kind of like a bad relationship with his siblings. And like, he is kind of like, air quotes, the bad kid. Mm -hmm. But also, he was fucking enchanted, like magically to do it. So even though, yes, he was the the one who would be most likely to do that, like. It was magic. It was magic. And also, it's also explained that Edmund wasn't just a bad kid all the time. He went to a new school first off. He got wrapped up in the wrong crowd and he kept doing it because his dad's been away in the war. So this is just a misunderstood kid who needed some help. But yeah, that's why that's why I did the air quotes. They they <laughs> fucking vilify him in the movies. Yeah. For no fucking reason. And I won't stand for this Edmund disrespect anymore. They really just went like full on like like let's amp this like the uh amp the like preconceived notions about these characters up to like twelve. <sighs> and that's their whole character now. Yeah. They they flanderized him in the movie. There we go. I completely agree. <sighs> Okay, now that I've 
put some respect on the name of Edmund. <laughs> um, the queen leaves Edmund there, and he goes to try to look for Lucy, and Lucy, like, sneaks up behind him right after. Don't know how she missed the White Queen. Um, and she's like, oh, hey, you made it in. Good job. Because Lucy's the sweetest. She's written to be absolute innocence. No matter what the case in the series, she is written to be like the innocent voice of the group. Yeah, I think like. Um, and she like even when like they all get their, you know, um basically get assigned their rpg classes like she's the healer <laughs> the worst healer because she's just a potion healer yeah but you know still still she's an <laughs> eight-year-old's child uh you can't give her a sword cs you're everybody else a sword cs lewis wrote her into the book because these book series this book specifically was written for i believe his goddaughter lucy he named the character after her Aw. um and he just wanted to write a nice story for her that's nice um it's too bad that it was just absolutely destroyed with the constant religious beating there's none of that what are you talking about sons of adam and eve is all i'm gonna say that's all i just need to keep saying but we'll just move (laughs) past that honestly as as much as the religious stuff goes into the series as a whole i think the line the witch in the wardrobe uh, applies it the best to it where it's like oh i can see it more as an allegory rather it just being just a straight up pull from the bible of different things yeah um so i can excuse that much like um in lord of the rings how gandalf is straight up supposed to be a depiction of jesus christ and the balrog is supposed to be satan or the antichrist um, yeah you can excuse these things because it's supposed to be an allegory. And at the time, these were the biggest like goods and evils for like people around. So regardless of if that being your religion or not, that will still influence how you think about stuff and stuff gets interpreted. That's what I say about uh, Lord of the Rings and Lion, Witch and Wardrobe specifically for the Chronicles of Narnia. Only specifically Chronicles of Narnia, because everything <laughs> else is pretty religious. Maybe a, a horse and his boy, but horse and his boy is a bad book. That was a weird one. Um, Aslan feels evil in that book. Um, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. That's the next one we're going to cover. Regardless, Lucy and Edmund get together. They they leave. She's she's asking. She's like, hey, what are you, what are you doing here? And he's like looking for you she's like well whatever let's go tell our siblings that you found narnia so they go out and they go to find their siblings and she's like guess what edmund's been to narnia it's cool everything's great tell them ed and ed the betrayer goes yeah there was narnia but we were just pretending i'm sorry i i didn't mean for it to go on this far because he's an asshole because he got tricked by the red not red the white queen to betray his family so first off for some reason he's got to pretend that narnia doesn't exist so we can trick them to go to narnia i don't know what his game is but he he's just he's influenced and evil right now not by his choice <laughs> it's edmund they put bugs in him it's, <laughs> it's riku they put bugs in him 
<laughs> Fuck. So uh, the older siblings are like, shit, man, this is getting bad. Lucy has snapped. She might need to go see a specialist because these kids are parentified and they're thinking about having to institutionalize their sister. It is the 1950s, and I think lobotomy is still legal during this time, so I'm worried for my girl Lucy. Probably. So they go to talk to Professor because the Professor is a professor of what? Yada yada. Uh, So they're like, hey, Professor, Lucy, she's straight cray cray. She keeps talking about (laughs) this Narnia shit, and Professor is immediately interested because he was there for the creation of Narnia. Uh, But he doesn't say that at all. And in fact, yeah, it doesn't establish that he knows anything about Narnia until the end. He's a, he's a lot weirder in this book, given the retrospect of uh, of Magician's Nephew. Yeah, he's just a creep in the book. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe it's because it was written five years later and they're like, shit, let me reintroduce this character as not a fucking right, creep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also introduce his uncle as a creep. So if he has any creep qualities, it's because of his uncle. I guess. <laughs> Whatever. <Yeah. laughs> they tell Professor. Professor's like, all right, all right. I'm listening. I hear you out. But before all this happened, out of Lucy and Edmund, who would you think is the most truthful? And they're like, well, before all this happened, we would say Lucy. And he's like, all right. So. With that in mind, because I'm a professor and I'm trying to sound smart, um, if she's always telling the truth and Edmund's always lying and he's saying it doesn't exist and she's saying it exists, obviously Narnia exists. And they're like, but how? And he's like, I don't know, but it exists. Your sister's not crazy. I'm trying not to let on that I know about Narnia. And they're like, all right, we're going to choose to believe you, professor, because you're a professor and we won't question anything because it's not a child's place to question authority. I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. Probably like kids respecting authority. I don't know. I was raised uh, Catholic and now I'm agnostic, so I don't remember my teachings. Yeah, I I grew up in in a Baptist church and. I remember them too well sometimes, but I think that I think that you're right. That is in there somewhere. I just remember bigotry and hate, and I'm not about that, so I'm not going to remember. Um, regardless, we move past this. So we time skip like two weeks, I guess. Honestly, they do a lot of time skipping, but they go by so quickly. It's hard to keep track with. But some time has passed and uh, the cleaning lady or the head uh, head maid, whatever. The person who essentially really does watch them, that's not the professor, uh, is having house guests and the kids are playing, even though they're not supposed to. And they're like, oh, no, house lady is coming with the guests. We got to hide in the wardrobe. So they hide in the wardrobe for some reason. It doesn't make sense to me. It's again, again, feels very yada yada. They move on to Narnia. Yeah. Uh, He didn't know how to transition to Narnia, but now we're in Narnia. And they're like, whoa, Narnia is real. I guess you're right. It's very cold here. If only we had some jack. Oh, my God, this jacket's right here from the closet we were just in. And so they put on their their jackets now because Lucy and Edmund didn't need it before when they were there. But now that 
everyone's there, they need to acknowledge how cold it is, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and they're like, all right, now that we're in Narnia, let's go back, says Sue. And then Peter's like, wait, wait, we got to acknowledge that we were wrong and Lucy was right and that we're sorry. Because Peter, the oldest, is essentially just leader. He just has leader quality from the get go. Yeah, because he's the adult and you got to play with the adult says. Yeah, do what the 13 year old adult says. <laughs> so 13 year old adult says alright well first we gotta acknowledge and she's like oh okay so they apologize and Edmund's like oh man I guess Narnia was real and they're like you knew you were here you fucking liar uh, and they, they do razz him pretty good here in the book too so they're essentially just yeah. like you're kind of a piece of shit like why couldn't you just stop <laughs> for a moment right. And he's like, well, fine. Jeez, God, I don't know. I was just playing. Uh, never a good answer for the homeboy Edmund. Uh, but Lucy's like, all right, everyone, let's go meet my good pal, Mr. Tumnus, because he's the only person I know. And he did try to kidnap me last time I was here. Well, I guess the second to last time I was here. And they're like, all right, let's go meet this cool guy, Mr. Tumnus. Oh, no, his house has been ransacked. Oh, golly. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Uh, so it's just a ransacked house. Everyone's upset. They're like, oh, we should go. And, they're, and Lucy's like, no, we got to find Mr. Tumnus. And Sue, always the pessimist. Honestly, she's, she's, just, a, she's just a bummer, the whole book series. Um, it's just like, no, we should leave. And Peter's like, let's not leave because he was a friend to our sister when she was here and helped her out and got her away from the White Witch. So... Everyone has to do what Peter says because he he's in charge, I guess. So they start wandering and being cold. And what's that in the tree line? Huh? It's it's going Psst, come over here. Essentially, it's a talking beaver. So this talking beaver's like, hey, yo. Come with me. I know what happened. Secret police stole Mr. Tumnus and they, he knew they were coming. And he gave me this handkerchief that Lucy left to prove that y'all, y'all tight. So they go with the beaver. They go to his house. They meet his wife. They tell all the kids are there. Uh, Edmund's being a sour puss because he's like, I want to lure all my kids to a dead, all my kid siblings to a deadly trap at the white witch's house. He's, he's, <laughs> he's hexed, but also the boy kind of dim. Yeah. Like, and like, <sighs> I, I I like how you do kind of get some perspective of like he he kind of doesn't want to, but at the other hand, he's like, but I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do a lot better in the books showing Edmund's like moral dilemma of like, all right, but this is kind of stupid. And we're literally talking to talking beavers right now. And I I was promised to be king and Turkish delights. But my siblings are here. Uh, stupid siblings. Stupid siblings. So they're sitting there and the beavers are talking about Aslan and how he created the land and how he's waiting for them at the stone table because he, he's got word that they're there. And Aslan's around for the first time in who knows how long because he's not a tame lion. Uh, that's in the book all the time. They refer to Aslan constantly as not a tame lion. 
<laughs> he's wild. Yeah. So he'll just fucking disappear for goddamn centuries, apparently, and not give a shit. Uh, let evil just take over his lands that he created. Whatever. So they're like, all right, Aslan's at the stone table, and that's where we're, where he wants to meet everyone. So that's where you guys got to go. And then Aslan will help us. And they're like, all right, sounds good. We should go see Aslan. Where's Edmund? Huh? <laughs> at what point did it, did, in this monologue did we establish that Edmund's not here anymore? And then Mr. Beaver's like, well, guys, I got to tell you. I knew from the moment I saw your brother that he's a traitor and a liar and I hate his fucking guts, essentially. <laughs> Mr. Beaver said it was on site. Yeah, really? He was like, I never trusted him because he was your brother, but I don't trust him. I don't like him. And he sold you out to the White Witch, so we gotta go. So they start going. They leave. Um, Mrs. Beaver packs some good lunches. And then they go, they run into Santa Claus and they're like, oh, good, good, goody gumdrops at Santa Claus. What did he get me? Oh, munitions. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus was packing heat, uh, not really munitions, but Santa Claus gives Peter the oldest a sword and shield, gives Sue the boring uh, a bow and a horn and gives Lucy a healing potion that can heal any wound anytime ever, no matter what, as long as they're not dead. Um, and a dagger to protect herself. And he's like, all right, well, I've been gone for a hundred years. So now I got to go see other people. So then we cut over to our boy, Edmund. Edmund's like, hey, yo, it's me, Edmund. Don't call me. I'm talking. Hey, yo. <laughs> so they're like, hey, yo, it's me, Edmund. I'm here to see the White Witch. and." They're like, all right, we'll let you in. White Witch is like, what are you doing here? I'm evil and bad and I'm showing you now. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm afraid I made a I made a mistake by coming here. Uh, and he's like, I did the best Speci I could. <laughs> specifically coming there without his siblings. Like, how dare you not bring them to me? Oh, yeah. She get she digs into him. She's like, you're so fucking stupid, essentially. Like, how could you? You're useless. And he's like, I did the best I could, but I got him halfway there. They're they're currently uh, at the beaver's house just down the road and you can go that get them and everything will be fine. And and she goes, <laughs> what's the verbiage she uses? Like, looks like you're not entirely useless after all. <laughs> or some shit like so, that. Sounds about right. Um, And he's like, OK, well, can I get my candy now? And she's like, <laughs> I'm evil twiddle mustache. Yeah, you'll get your candy. Not let's go get those kids and murder them. And he's like, oh, no, they're going to murder my siblings. Uh, <laughs> It'll come along. Uh, but we're going to make you come along so you can watch, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So they bring Edmund along and they come across a bunch of merry animals. And they're like, well, what's white? Which is like, what's this? What's going on over here? Why are you dancing? Where'd you get the, that alcohol? You holding out on me, homie? Uh, because she collects taxes hardcore and everyone's miserable, apparently. Uh, and they're like, no, no, we're not holding out on you. We promise. Uh, Santa Claus came by and she's like, <gasps> Christianity, how could this be? Um, because Santa Claus hasn't been around in a hundred years. So Christianity. That's a sign yeah. that her magic is 
It's a sign that her magic is weakening. Mm-hmm. His, the magic is loose and bad. And she's like, shit, I need to get rid of these kids right now. And turns all those people to stone. Um, and she also has that power now. Yeah, I guess she had that in the magician's nephew where everyone was stone. Oh, duh. Yeah, that makes sense. But but in the magician's <laughs> nephew, that power was more of like killing all life on guys. I didn't talk about this. I fucked up her. What she did was she was the queen there and she had a rebellion going on and they were going to overthrow her potentially. And she got worried. So she decided to use her uh, uh, found forbidden magic that would just kill everyone. That's what happened on her planet. A rebellion happened from her people. And she's like, oh, they can't rebel against me. I'm going to kill everyone, including myself. I guess I'll just die. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess she has a lesser version of that power here, but she needs a wand to do that. She's like, if I can't be in charge, no one can be in charge. It does show really good how like evil she is. Like a, yeah. a lot of uh mediums don't do pretty good of showing uh motives or just like lengths a villain would go to do stuff. And they establish pretty well in the magician's nephew of what type of person she is. Yeah, absolutely. Um but I'm dragging my feet a bit. Uh, these two books are honestly the the meat and potatoes of the entire book series. Everything else is pretty mid. Yeah. Um. So they they turn these people to stone. Edmund tries to beg for one of the animals' lives. The white witch ain't about it and backhands the shit out of him. And he's like extra afraid. And he's like, "Fuck! I I real I real deal fucked up." Uh, but we cut back to the siblings. The other three siblings make it to the, the 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 stone, and they meet Aslan. And Aslan's like, "Hey, it's the sons, uh, son and and daughters of Adam and Eve. Welcome, welcome. Where's the fourth one?" And they're like, "Oh, Edmund's <laughs> the betrayer." And he's like, <sighs> "There's always got to be one." Okay. Um. And then, and then he's like, "All right, well." that sucks and then he goes fucks off somewhere and then the girls are like hello we are the girls we are the girl girl siblings and it's unfortunate that we were written in our time where we don't really get much dialogue or anything that happens to a what's that sound we're getting attacked um so we cut to peter fighting wolves um and other warriors go to join him and fight and aslan's like don't help him. He needs this. He needs to be a king. <laughs> so he makes a 13-year-old child with a sword and shield he's never wielded before defend himself against some wolves. Uh and I mean, I mean it, it Peter did it. He did do it. I mean <laughs> he did it and his reward for doing the thing without asking any questions is he'll be high king. Uh yeah. Again, Aslan just doing stuff because people, they don't ask questions, so he'll reward them. Um, so they're like, all right, well, that sucks. So we're 
we're gonna we're gonna get them back so i don't remember if they tailed one of them or what have you they're like all right the edmund edmund is that way and they just they they could they kidnap edmund i think i think they arrived with edmund and then she turned herself into a rock or something so they wouldn't see her I can't remember exactly what happened. Regardless, Aslan's peeps rescue Edmund, and then they send a dele. What is what is the word? A delegate. A delegate. Thank you to come to the, the land and be like, "Hey, you you stole our betrayer," uh, and the White Queen wants to talk to you, and Aslan's like, "All right, she can come over here and talk to me, but." She's got to leave her stone statue making one because that's spooky and I don't want to die. <laughs> it's scary. It's spooky scary. And then they're like, okay, okay. Uh, it sounds good. And so Aslan sends one of his peeps to make sure that it gets done. That happens. White Witch comes and she's like, hey, I'm the bad guy. You got, you got this betrayer. And according to law that I made with a, a crooked king or something in the past, all bad guys belong to me or something it doesn't make sense and then he's basically like yes but (laughs) aslan's like due to those same laws (laughs) i can trap card you you've activated my trap card how about you take me instead but we don't know that he says that he's like no fuck you Come over here and talk to me in private. <laughs> yeah. So they they talk and then she goes to leave. Uh, and Aslan's like, hey, we did it. Satan said that his soul is ours again. And she's like, hey, but how will I know, Jesus, that you are a man of your word? And Jesus yells at her. <laughs> Jesus yells at Satan, says, get the fuck out of here. Uh, so she gets scared and leave. She runs away a lot. She does just leave a lot. She's just a weenie in the books. <laughs> so after running away, uh, the boys get training. And I guess Sue gets training with the archer archery bow stuff. But it, I don't think they really focus on it. Regardless, yeah, it's all off screen. It's all a dream, yada yada, and then some it's time all off passes. Screen, they don't care. Uh, the only thing it really does focus on is that uh, Aslan is telling Peter how to do battle strategy and plans to lead the army, and Peter's like, "Yeah, yeah." Then that will happen. Cool, cool. But Aslan, won't you be here with me to make sure that everything will go smoothly? And he's like, "Haha, maybe." <laughs> yeah 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 no no totally don't worry about it don't worry about it and peter doesn't ask questions so aslan rewards him with being hiking uh peter does not ask questions he just does not that would make him a bad kid uh yeah fucking christ uh so one night uh lucy and sue cannot sleep Finally, they get some screen time. They're going to be vastly important. I'm sure of it. Uh, so they get up because they can't sleep. 
And so they go outside to see the stars and like, wow, the stars are so beautiful. Is that Asland wandering off into the darkness over there? We should go check on him. Uh, so they start tagging along with Aslan and he sees them. and He's like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just going for a walk. And they're like, you want some company? He's like, yeah, all right. I can use some good company for the last time tonight. And they're like, what? And he's like, what? All right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> they wander into the forest. <laughs> uh, they're having pleasant conversation. And then he's like, all right. Uh, we're at a point now. You cannot follow me any further. No arguments. Um, and no matter what happens, don't do shit. <laughs> and they're like, what does that mean, Aslan? And he's like, shut up. Don't do shit. <laughs> shut up and hide. Shut your mouth. <sighs> so Aslan goes to the grove with the table and then the queen's there with all her vicious monsters and stuff and they tie Aslan down and they cut off his fur to defile him and then she kills him I'm just gonna glaze over this because it doesn't really matter and Sue and Lucy are watching from a bush and they're like oh no our, our cat on the table he's broken um <laughs> Aslan's dead. They wait in the bush until morning and everyone just leaves because fuck them. They got a war to win. Um, and they're crying over Aslan and then there's mice chewing on him. They think they're like, yeah, get out of here. Just leave him alone. And Sue's like, hey, this is the one important thing I'm going to do in the series. Leave those mice alone, Lucy. They look like they're trying to help. So that the, the mice bite the, the rope off of the, the lion. Jesus Christ. Uh, so then they sit there for a little while. They get sad and they're like, all right, I guess we should go. And they go to leave and they hear a huge thunderous crack and they turn around and Aslan's gone and the table's broken in half. And what's, ha what's happening? What? Why? Why couldn't they just leave Aslan alone? They came back and did something, I guess. They, they, they immediately jump to nefarious thoughts. Which fair, I mean. Yeah, true. They don't know that he's a god. Uh, yeah. And they're like, why couldn't they do it? Who would do such a thing? And Aslan's like, yeah, who would do that? But me, I did it. Uh, because I didn't do a crime and I got murdered for it in person's stead who did the crime. Uh, time went backwards and now I'm alive again. One one of my favorite, like, not on purpose a bit from this books, but like it was always funny to me, is that like the witch quotes like the deep magic from the dawn of time. And then Aslan's like, ah oh, yes, I came back to life though because of the deeper magic from yes! before the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very much like like a kid being like, ah oh, yes, but I have the I have the force field when you're playing pretend. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, my laser goes through force fields. It's like, yes, but I have the force field behind a force field that's specifically to block lasers. It that's it really anytime they talk to each other, it just feels like that. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Aslan's back and they're like, all right, let's go. And he's like, all right, right on my back, I guess, children. I'm a five foot tall lion. <laughs> So these children climb on his back and they're like, oh, wait, why aren't we going to the battlefield? 
He's like, we got we got shit we got to do. Shut up, kid. So they go to the White Queen. They go to White Castle and they get a nice, nice, tasty stone people to eat. Uh, There was a joke there. I did drop the ball super hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they uh, I think don't they like revive all of the stone people so that way there's like another army from the other side. Yeah, that's what's said. That's what they say. They say these words. We don't watch it happen, but it happens allegedly. Um, essentially, all this scene really boils down to is Aslan showing uh, that he can bring people back from their stone death and show that Mr. Tumnus is there and now he's brought back to life also. Ooh, yay, Tumnus is back. Yeah, they go into a lot of detail no, for- about like getting all these people out and animals and what's going on um and then Aslan's like all right let's go to the battlefields let's reinforce our forces so they go to the battlefields the girls are riding on him and they get there just in time to see peter killing the white queen (laughs) i showed up in the nick of time which is my biggest complaint from the in the book first off of you telling me that you did this whole ass battle and didn't show me shit. And then Aslan's like, oh, wow, good job getting her. And Peter being like, yes, the battle was doing OK. And then it was not doing OK. But then like the, he does a play by play instead of just showing us. Yeah. Yeah. C.S. Lewis likes to do that. But it also brings me to my least favorite thing from the movie, The Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe of. Peter was the one who struck down the White Queen in the book. In the movie, Aslan kills her. He's the one who strikes her down. It takes a very powerful moment away from a key character. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. And it's like, well, only Jesus can do the thing. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you kids don't actually matter. You just have to be there so that I can do my stuff. (sighs) <sighs> whatever all right that is the, they, they finish up there they they finish up the battlefields they hunt down the rest of her army to kill them yeah uh and then they get crowned kings and queens of narnia uh peter is high king at 13 years old and his siblings are all just King and Queens of Narnia, and the animals rejoice because they like being subjugated by humans, I guess. Uh. <laughs> uh, but after 15 years of them being there, it feels like they've always lived there, and the white deer has come back around that if you catch it, it grants you a wish, and they're like, let's do it, let's go catch that stuff. Let's go, let's go do this thing. So they go to chase after this white stag, and then they come across the lamppost and they're like, whoa, this feels like a dream that I had a long time ago. And they kind of just wander around and go through the, the foliage and they fall back into the room that they started in. And now they're kids again. And they're kids again. Um, and and it's bad. It's very bad. It's not bad in in the book at first because. They talk about how um, when they were there, they adopted like 
that way of talking, like very royal type of oh, dear brother over there we shall go and sort of shit. Um, and they're very mature. They've conquered areas, like slayed lots of beasts. They're like actual kings and queens, rulers by uh, right, not just by name. And then they're just kids again, and which was fine until we get to the, the next book in the in their timeline technically and then it just sucks it's stupid yeah it's like it would be so much more interesting in like if they didn't like mentally revert back to children like yeah like oh yeah I'm, you're a 13 year old and he's like no i ruled the land of narnia for 60 wonderful years yeah but you didn't i am the high king and they're like, dude, go to middle school. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, but I would, I would be <laughs> fine if he just had, if they kept that mentality. But yeah, you know, they they rectify it slightly. Whatever. Next book is a horse and his boy, and I'm just gonna glaze over this. This book sucks, y'all. There are two cool things that I like about it. Can you tell me them? Because I'm just gonna say the plot points real quick. Yeah, I'll tell you the two cool things I like. I like that it takes place during the like reign of the the Pevensey family like mm-hmm. it takes place while they're like royalty um but in a whole like separate ass country where there aren't a lot of like talking animals and stuff there there are some but it's not like that's the only uh population like there is in Narnia mm-hmm. so there's like th- this country over the sea kind of um so it you know, shows that there is a bigger world on this planet. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, and then the second thing I like is that, like, near the end, the the boy does meet like the old, the old ass versions of like uh, Peter and them before he, like, before they go back to to the real world. Yeah, he meets. Those are the two cool things that I liked about that. Book. He meets. <laughs> directly Edmund and Lucy and they're just fantastic and great rulers. Um I agree with you. Those are the, the only two things that I actually enjoyed from this. The story overall does not matter. It's just a side story that gets to show you more of the wider world and how how their customs differ and it kind of just sets up um Tosh um who is like a deity for these people there. But that's it. It the story does not matter. None of the characters will cross over back into um the main storyline. Yeah. It's it's definitely a side story within the universe that just uh you will see Lucy, Edmund and Sue and Peter is off fighting giants. Yeah. And like not even that it's like unimportant because if that was just the case I would be like oh that's fine. But it was boring. And like I, aside from those two points that I told you I couldn't tell you a single thing about the book. I don't remember anything about it. A little boy uh was sent on a a journey. Like this horse is like, "Hey, you look like a Narnian. Like you don't look like not a Narnian." What the other people whatever he doesn't belong where he is he has lighter skin he's like a mountain folk person 
And the horse is like, I'm also from that Narnia area. We can run away out of this land together. Uh, essentially, the little boy was kidnapped as a kid. He is a twin of the, a prince royal line. He's the crown prince, technically. Um, oh. And it's just his hero's journey. That's it. He's not even a good hero. He passed out in the battlefield. <laughs> no, like one time. Woke up after the battle? Hmm? He said, and then did he wake up after the battle? Yeah. It was yeah, very Bilbo Bagginsy of like, and then I was knocked out and woke up afterwards, and then they found me. Um, <laughs> Aslan mauled a little girl in the book. Shit. So this little girl was a duke's daughter or some shit like that, and he was going to marry her off to for political power to some older dude who was cruel. So she decided to run yeah. away. Uh, and how she did it was she put a sleeping potion in her maid's coffee or some shit and made her pass out. So she ran away when she was supposed to be somewhere for like three days. So she had a good head start. Um, right on. So she got essentially what Aslan did was he mauled her in three very specific scrapes on her back or four or whatever. Uh, and she's like, well, why, why'd you do that, Aslan, if you're such a, a good guy? And he's like, well, those, uh, the exact deepness and the exact width and the exact pain that you felt and the exact recovery it's going to take you is exactly what that maid got to her for your lie and your deception. Oh, shit. So Aslan mauled a little girl for doing what she had to to get out of marital slavery. Fuck. Uh, so she didn't listen to Aslan, so she gets mauled. Well, yeah, that's how you get. Gotta. You, you listen to Aslan, you become a high king or a fucking crown prince in this book. Uh, if you don't listen to Aslan, you get mauled. That's yeah, what happens. She deserved yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. The book doesn't matter. Uh, Prince Caspian. I can talk a little bit about, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. Isn't the only like? I mean, it, it sets up Caspian, who's important later. Um, and it's like, oh, now it's been a couple years in our world, and it's like 1,500 years later. Yeah, it's been exactly one year since the kids oh, left. Really? Okay. And they're like, I guess we'll never go back to Narnia. And then they're on a train and then they get called into Narnia. This is like a third through the book of when that actually happens, by the way. They don't get called into Narnia until a third through the book. The first third of the book is setting up Prince Caspian as the rightful ruler, 10th in line, 10th of his name, rightful king of Narnia from these invaders who just took over and just started slaying all the talking animals. Shit. But he has a tutor slash professor who just tells him all the secrets of Narnia and how things used to be <laughs> and Asland and how everything used to be so great and the lore of the, the old kings and queens of Narnia, the, the, the siblings, the little kids, uh, and how awesome it used to be. And then one day, I think he was like 15 at the time or some shit. I don't remember exactly. He was still like 
a tween, early teen age. Uh, he was woken uh, early. He had to leave the castle because his aunt uh, just gave birth to a baby boy, which means that his uncle can now finally kill off the true ruler slash crown prince and just put his kid in charge because, I don't know, plot. Yada yada plot. <laughs> yada yada. Uh, whatever. He blows the horn, brings the kids back to Narnia. They appear in the ruins of Care Paravel, which is the castle they've ruled in for 15 years before coming back. Um, save a dwarf, get their shit. Uh, Lucy starts seeing Aslan, but, like, no one else sees him. Okay. And they're like, whoa, uh, Lucy, what the fuck's wrong with you? And she's like, I truly see him. I don't know what's going on. And everyone's like, Lucy, there ain't nothing there. Shut up. Except for Edmund. He's like, no, I didn't believe Lucy before. And she ended up being right. And they're like, yeah, but she's not right now. <laughs> so I don't know where her siblings who trusted her enough to lead as a queen do not just trust her to be like, hey, I saw God. Our old friend God. Remember him? Yeah. You know, God. That thing we believe in? Well, I saw him. And they're like, no, you didn't shut up. Uh, I'm trying to sprint mm. to the finish line at this point. <clears throat> we are in book four in this seven. The next few books, oh my god, I can just glaze through all that shit. But the last battle, the last book, that's where that's the meat and potatoes where I got big complaints. Uh, whatever. Prince Caspian shit, though. Yo, nothing really happens here. Like, after the kids get there, a short battle happens, and then Peter's like, hello, I am king, and he has his, like, kingly demeanor again. I guess being away from Narnia is, like, two separate personalities that form, so the longer he was in Narnia, the more of himself he was. Hmm, yeah. Whatever, so he's like, I'm High King Peter, hello, um... What's our battle strategy? What's going on? Um, okay, Caspian, you are the rightful king. Got it. You, the people will be safe in your hands. Cool. Like, he accepts everything. Peter don't question shit. Never he does. He never does. He's just like, okay, got it. Uh, Sue still being like, we should go back. This ain't our business no more. We've been gone forever. Uh, keep in mind, no one has questioned that it's definitely been long enough where their castle has fallen to ruins. And everyone they knew from that time is a hundred percent dead. They have not brought it up and they will not bring it up. They never bring up how everyone they know and cared for during that time is now dead. <laughs> so moving on, uh, Peter acknowledges Caspian as king. Uh, then he sends a direct challenge to uh, the, 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 the king, Caspian's uncle, and the dude accepts it for no fucking reason <laughs> so peter and him start doing a one-on-one -on -one duel where it's close for some reason and then uh one of his men kills him and then they're like oh look those narnians are traitors they they did that they they 100 percent killed our king so now big war happens and then uh the trees come back to life and asland and Honestly, Prince Caspian's a pretty lackluster book. Uh, the best part about it is Reapy Cheap the Mouse. 
He is like a Reaper Chief. I love him so he's much. He's like a two foot tall mouse with the biggest fucking like honor hard on there is out there <laughs> where he's just looking for glory and honor and protecting the land and his people. Like he's like, if you can imagine a paladin in a two foot tall mouse, that's Reapy Chief. Yeah. He's wonderful. He is a fantastic little thing. Uh, Aslan acknowledges that uh, they essentially were created from his ancestors were the mice that were chewing on the ropes that let Aslan free, which is why I said it's the only important thing that Sue actually does is by saying, hey, Lucy, leave those mice alone. (laughs) (laughs) I think Reepji plays like a much bigger part in the next book. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Which one way you can tell that Prince Caspian and the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the next book, uh, were kind of nothing. Um, when the BBC did their Chronicles of Narnia stuff, they did like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm. and then they they just combined Prince Caspian and the and the Don Treader, and they just combined them into one thing, because they're like, there's not enough to do a whole thing here. <laughs> yeah, and then they did uh, Silver Chair. Silver Chair. Did they do Silver Chair? The BBC did, yeah, in uh, 1990. Hmm. It looks like on on Wikipedia here. Okay. Yeah, uh, Prince Caspian, there's nothing there. Uh, I will say and another great thing of it definitely not being allegory, it's a coincidence, a wink wink, uh, is at the end of the <laughs> Prince Caspian book, uh, uh, Aslan's running through the land and like making things better for people because he was gone for a long time. So he's like, Oh, I got to catch up on my good deeds. Uh, they pass by the old nursemaid who first started telling Caspian of old Narnian ways. And she's like, Oh, no, Asland, I knew you'd come. I always believed I never stopped. And he's like, Oh, heal my daughter. And she starts feeling better. Like he used his magic, (laughs) uh, jesus powers to heal her just by being there and booping her with his snoot so she's like oh i'm feeling good and he's like yeah you should feel good enough to drink some water and then her son comes in is like here mother drink some water from the well so she drinks some and she's like aslan you rascal this is the sweetest wine i've ever tasted uh aslan uh turned water into wine just coincidence. yeah just a coincidence original TM, TM, TM. Don't, don't read anything into it. <clears throat> Whatever. Prince Caspian honestly doesn't matter except for setting uh, Caspian as in charge and then Aslan looking at uh, Sue and Peter and saying, you're too old now. You can't play anymore. And then set, tells them that they'll never be able to come back to Narnia. Yep. So in the voyage, <laughs> uh, the voyage of the Dawn Treader, it's 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 an even more nothing book than a boy and his horse, which sucks because it has our major characters of Lucy and Edmund and their shitty cousin Eustace. This dude's the fucking worst. He should have gotten the treatment that Edmund got in the movie. They should have given it. Guys, I don't want to talk about Eustace too much, but imagine your shittiest cousin who's always just like, 
They never want to play with me. You guys suck. But also like teasing you for like playing anything. That's literally all he fucking does. He bitches and moans and pretends to be better than everyone else. He's the fucking worst character in the goddamn book. But then he gets better. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but they say he they does. say he gets better and they just give him less screen time. That's all that really happened. <laughs> that's, that's that's better. Um, so the book, the book for this is essentially it's been three years Narnia time again, like uh one year Earth time since since the last book, and Prince Caspian's like, well. Everything's going great in the kingdom. And now I'm just looking for my dad's old friends that my uncle sent out to see instead of killing them for some reason um, to bring them back home because I made a promise as a king that I would do that. So that's all the book is, is them monster of the weaking looking for his dad's friends. And yep. we just listened to Eustace bitch and moan and Lucy and Edmund getting far less screen time than they deserve. Um. And then Edmund, not Edmund, Eustace goes onto the island, one of these islands, goes to try to steal something from a dragon who just died and then turns into a dragon. And then after a week or something, they're like, well, I guess we're going to have to leave Eustace here because he can't fit on the boat. And he's he's just a boy again out of nowhere. And he just doesn't suck magically because he's been humbled as a dragon. Which don't make no sense to me. No, if anything, he'd get worse. Yeah, like all that greed and hate and stuff, whatever. Now he's better, I guess. <laughs> I guess you, they just decided to replace him with a different boy. Mm -hmm. The book ultimately doesn't matter. They get to the edge of the world after finding all of the friends. And the edge of the world or the edge of the sea is supposedly where uh, Aslan country is supposed to be. And Reapy Cheap is like, I'm going to go. And Caspian's like, no, I got to go. And everyone's like, no, the fuck you're not. That's literally the edge of the world. No one knows what that is. And Narnia still needs a king. And then he tries to go all tyrannical ruler. Um, and then a reflection of Aslan came to him. And yelled at him and told him to stop being a bad boy and go home. So, <laughs> so King of Narnia, Prince Caspian the Tenth, just turns around and is like, "I don't get to play." And then kicks some rocks. He's like, "Get out of my boat!" And kicks Reapy Cheap and the three children off the boat. Damn. Uh, <laughs> that's really all that happens. Uh, Reapy Cheap goes to Aslan country and Aslan sends the three kids back home. And I guess Eustace doesn't suck anymore, I guess. <laughs> the last sentence of like the Wikipedia article for Voyage of the Dawn Treader is like it's its own separate paragraph. It just says back in the real world, everyone remarks about how much Eustace has changed. Yes, they say that <laughs> that boy was replaced. And no one gave a shit except for his mom. Is like, well, he's he's tolerant now. What the fuck? <laughs> you ruined my boy. Uh, that's essentially all that really meant. Like these two books, I wish they were better, but obviously, even the movies combined Prince Caspian and no, they didn't. They stopped that Voyage of the Dawn Treader because they it just didn't make enough money, and probably because Eustace was a terrible character. Yeah.
Um, I didn't watch that one. I never have, and I never will. Yeah, of the newer three that they made, I only ever watched the first uh, one. Prince Caspian's bad because it's essentially like they ripped out a third of the way through the book, two pages that said, and the kids show up to Narnia after a horn was blown, and they just decided to write whatever they wanted to after that. Like, there's so much <laughs> unnecessary shit and just stuff that didn't happen. That's wild. Um, whatever. We got two more books. Uh, Silver Chair. Silver Chair is another great book, but honestly, you can glaze over most of that stuff. Essentially, Eustace, a year, like two, three years later, or some shit like that, uh, is doing some shit with some girl. Like, they're just kids that get bullied. Yeah, like his classmate or yeah, something. Yeah, these, these classmates are doing something at school and they're getting bullied and then they, they end up in Narnia. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. These kids are in Narnia now. Uh, <laughs> and she freaks out and almost pushes him off of uh, Edge. Uh, at, well, she does push him off. And Aslan picks, like, swoops him away or a bird. It doesn't matter. Honestly... A lot of this is just a plot device that just sets up this girl to be in in Narnia and alone with Aslan. And Aslan's like, here is your quest. Prince Caspian, now King Caspian, is like old as balls. And his son has been missing for years. Find him. Good luck. Here are your signs to look out for. And then he dips. So these these kids were sent on a journey, just the two of them, useless cousin and friend. <laughs> and they go on their journey. They find out that the prince was kidnapped by some uh, witch. It's not the white witch. It could be the white witch, but it's not. It's a green witch. Uh, could be a descendant of hers. She killed his mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then enthralled him because we couldn't have enough enthrallment. Um, honestly, Silverchair is a good story and I don't want to talk too much about it. They expand the universe a lot more, but the unfortunate thing is they just don't go into it too much. So you don't see a lot of what's going on. Very wide, but not very. Deep. Yeah. It's like, look at all the stuff that's down there if you went further down. We're not going to go down there, but if you did, that'd be pretty cool. And then they just move on. And that's like, apparently, <laughs> vast underground cities and ways that people can go. It was crazy. It sounded awesome. They did not go into it at all. And even the narrator at the end of the book is like, and if you ever find yourself in Narnia, remember to check out those caverns for yourself. And it's like, you son of a bitch, show me. <laughs> now the meat and potatoes the last battle the last battle and I'm gonna say this book fucking sucked this book was terrible I hated this book so goddamn much uh yeah when we first get introduced to Eustace in the voyage of the dawn treader he's like 10 9 or 10 years old and he's like 10 years old in silver chair so in last battle he's 16 
So it's been like Damn. six years since they've been in Narnia. And essentially what happened was all the peeps were together who have ever been to Narnia, our original kids, the Eustace and classmate, the uh, professor and his friend from when they were little kids who were there to witness the beginning of Narnia's creation. They're all getting together because they're the only people they can talk about Narnia with. And then they had a fucking weird vision from some dude. It was Caspian's great, 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 great grandson who is essentially calling for help from Aslan. It's like, everything sucks and we need help, Aslan. <laughs> and so they're like, shit, all right, guess we got to go back to Narnia. And the only people who go through are shitty cousin and his friend again. Uh, oh, I forgot to say in Voyage of the Dawn Shredder at the end, uh, Aslan also told Edmund and Lucy, you're too old to play. You can't come to Narnia no more. Yep. Uh, so our original four kids are not allowed in Narnia anymore. So we got shitty cousin and his friend. They go in. They start helping the king. Things are not looking good throughout the whole fucking book. Like any step forward is like five steps back. Ah, shit. Uh, any advantage they get like, oh, we did it. We got all the horses released from uh, over there. Now they'll come help us. And they're shot dead. All of them in front of our eyes. And they're like, oh, it's the dwarves. Let's release them from their imprisonment and they don't want to believe in us or Asland anymore. They're they just want to be for themselves anymore. Like and ugh, so bad. And isn't like uh there's the you know the evil like ape has the donkey that's being like the fake Aslan, so he's making everybody think that there's yeah like an evil Aslan going around. So this this ape finds a skinned lion skin just floating in the river and throws it on his friend the donkey who he has essentially enslaved and he just keeps telling the donkey like hey listen to my plan and everything will be cool and he forces this donkey to pretend to be aslan just so he can rule narnia with an iron fist for some reason like he sold a bunch of his people into slavery it just doesn't make sense like there's no motive and it's a lot of yada yada move on yeah um it's a good story i'm not gonna lie um it's just a lot of leaving out important bits but they in the final few chapters of this book it's just our protagonists and stuff talking about how they need to stay away from the shed because that's where they're going to die. They can feel it or the farmhouse, um, but they're getting pushed further and further into it. And in this book, there's been a few times where they kind of allude to something like uh, them being like, oh, we should have never come here. I wish we were back where we were. And then the friend will be like, well, I'm kind of glad that we're here because like I felt like there was a sudden jerk right before we got to Narnia. And that was that was pretty spooky and I'm kind of scared to go back. And they just keep drop, dropping little hints like that. Um, yeah. So whatever. Our our kids, they finally get pushed to the the shed house and they get pushed inside and they see this terrible bird creature thing, which is Tash. So 
Tash is essentially the god of these people who have invaded, and he's real, and he's vicious, and he's disgusting, and then gets banished in the name of Asland in this moment. Uh, I think he's supposed to be an allegory for the Antichrist, because he's described as the antithesis of Asland, everything that Asland is, Tash isn't, and everything Tash is, Asland isn't. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty shoehorned in there, honestly. Coincidence. No allegory. Uh, but they go in there. Um and then Peter is there and Lucy's there and the professor is there but looking younger and all the peeps are there, not Sue. Uh and they're all there. Uh and they're looking beautiful and magnificent and they're kings and queens again. And even the people who weren't kings and queens, but every kid who was in the story, not Sue, uh, are there looking like kings and queens, looking beautiful and amazing. And they're like, wow, it's all you. Where's Sue? And Peter goes, she's not a friend of Narnia anymore. <laughs> Isn't it like she stopped believing in <laughs> yeah, Narnia? Yeah, as, as Liam well? later s- says when they... after. <laughs> all right, I'll get... I'll circle right back around. But yes, the answer is... Yeah, she stopped believing in Narnia and essentially was like, haha, that was a fun kids game we played when we were kids, right, kids? And she's like 20. <laughs> she's just a bitch for no reason. <laughs> I mean, it almost feels like she's having a mental breakdown and is just trying to like refuse to believe it because it's so wild and like doesn't make sense with the real world around her yeah but no 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 not mental health she's just not a friend anymore she's evil and she's yeah bad. they just don't acknowledge her as a person anymore they just said that she doesn't belong here uh and then they're like whoa uh, uh, no i say they shitty cousin who's not a shitty cousin anymore I keep referring to him as that uh shitty cousin is like whoa peter and guys how'd you guys get here and they're like well it's the craziest thing uh we we were waiting for at the station and you guys oh, were on the train and I saw a train coming into the station and I was like, whoa, that train's coming in a little bit too fast. And it was like, wouldn't it be the queerest thing if they were on that train? It would be just their luck. Ha 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 ha. And then I don't know. We were just here and they just <laughs> glaze over that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to jump to the part where they get to a deeper part of Narnia where there's a golden gate and all their friends are there, like Mr. Tumnus and a bunch of people from the battle we just witnessed who just died are there and chilling. (laughs) And they're like, Aslan, what's up? I thought you said we couldn't go to Narnia anymore. And <laughs> why can't we go back to Earth? And then Aslan, Aslan was like, oh, yeah, don't you get it? There indeed was a train crash and you guys all died. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, but there's enough of that. And then he just glazes over it. And no one asks any questions. <laughs> it's such a bad ending to the series listeners that is the the end (laughs) and like tash made narnia so like bad and evil and full of darkness that aslan's like 
we're just giving up on that one. And I, here's the true actual real yeah. Narnia. Now we're going there. The real organization <laughs> 13 sort of shit. Like, <laughs> things got so corrupted that he made a little pocket universe and then destroyed the Narnia that they were just in. And then where they're at is also Narnia, but it's the true Narnia. And the further in you go, the more true it is. And even on Earth, there's a true version of Earth. And that's where the kids' parents are because they've never been to Narnia and they can't go because they can't play. Uh, but the kids also, the kids' parents also died and they're in the true London. Except, Except for Sue because she, she's not a friend of Narnia anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she, everybody else got to go back to Narnia after they died. Susan just but died. since Sue wasn't even in the true London, because they got to see the parents in true London far away, uh, but Sue wasn't there. Can it be implied that Sue just didn't die and she has to live with the fact that everyone she knows is now dead? Oh, shit, probably. Because the parents didn't know shit about Narnia, but they got to go into true. It, they went to heaven. Uh, let's just acknowledge it. They yeah. went to heaven. Everyone. The true version of the worlds are just heaven. Ugh. All right. That's where I got. I'm sorry if I rambled on or I just didn't make sense. I've just been listening to this and hyper fixating on this goddamn book series. Lewis. <laughs> do you know what show you're on? <laughs> yeah. There's no need to apologize here. I got apologize. We love it, baby. Yeah, but my hyper fixation on this was a lot of complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't always love the things we hyperfixate oh, on. That's all right. That's pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what one thing I do gotta ask: Did you ever play the video I game? I did play the video game. I found it hard. I, I don't remember a single thing about it, other than I played a lot of it. But I don't I don't remember anything about it. It was it's wild. I know in the beginning they were doing the hide and seek stuff and I was just stuck in the house for a while. It took me a long <laughs> time to actually get to Narnia. Hide and seek is the hardest game. Uh, But that's all I remember from that. So maybe I just gave up. Oh, no. <laughs> and hide and seek. <laughs> <sighs> all right well um now that we're kind of wrapping it up it sounds like um is there any you know other things that you want to address about uh narnia before we go mm, i will say regardless of what i said on this show give the books a read or a listen there is a lot of good material in there it's pretty genuinely good um fantasy there's just a lot of religious overviews and there are some things in there where you're like i wanted to actually see that but that gets glazed over but more importantly than everything in the audible i had each book had a different narrator for some reason and in the last battle, it was narrated by Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, Yo. And it was very fantastic to hear 
him do all the voices for the characters, especially the very overly excited dogs, super jazzed about being in heaven and smelling all these good smells. And you're like, oh, it's over here. It's over here. And hearing Patrick Stewart do these silly voices just made my day. I might have to go check that out then. <laughs> um, one thing I'd like to to recommend to listeners um, is, you know how like earlier I was kind of like, oh, it would be cool if after they came back, they were like still had that mentality of being, you know, the mm-hmm. adults. Read the Wayward Children uh, series by Seanan McGuire. It is a series of novellas that is about a, a boarding school for kids who've been in portal fantasy stories. Huh. So. It's like it, it's basically, you know. Alice after Wonderland, the Pevensies after Narnia. Um, I've only read a few of them. There's I don't know how many there are, but they're so good. Sean McGuire is a fantastic author. Uh, it looks like there's eight of them right now. Um, highly recommend. They're very fun. Hmm. I'll have to check those out. And uh, I just I love that idea of like, OK, well, so what happens after? I like that a lot. Hell yeah. I guess we'll go ahead and do our outro. Um, if you want to follow the show, you can follow us on the hyperfixation on X, the everything site or TikTok. Um, <laughs> you can follow me at Mr. Jakey Poo on those same things and Blue Sky. And uh, Lewis, where can we find you if we want to find you? If you want to find me, you can find me at Selbor Seul, S-E-L-B-O-R-S-I-U-L on Discord. I don't, I deleted my, I can't call it X. I deleted my Twitter <laughs> because that website is a burning hellscape and it was just giving me so much anxiety. Uh, and it's just getting it worse. It just gets worse and worse. I'm not on Blue Skies uh, right now. I might get on it later, but. I got a code for you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, but I'm on Discord and uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's me. And we also just want to thank Moonshot for, you know, making this podcast possible. Um, if you want to follow Moonshot, you can follow them on Twitter at Moonshot Pods or twitch.tv slash Moonshot Network for streams. Um, you can follow, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the hyperfixation. We also have a new Redbubble store. Uh, all sorts of awesome merch with Romy's art for the different episode covers. Friggin' incredible. Hell yeah. Uh, also like to thank kingdom for for editing and uh we want to thank uh office for our intro and outro music and uh i think that's it Hell yeah. uh, be safe drink water don't die uh, hey y'all jake here and i just wanted to take a moment to thank our wonderful patrons so so very much We've got Beer, got Becky Scott Fairley, got Hey It's Ken, we got Flo, got Logan Verbeek, 
We got Big Brother Benji. We got Morgan Gay Levin. Thank you all so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You're amazing.